Welcome to the Central City Podcast. I'm Joe Graves, uh, pastor at Central City Church, and uh, excited to have you with us. Um, we're changing a few things on our podcast, so I wanted to let you know that. Um, we've started sharing our testimonies, our faith stories, every week in church, and we've decided to include these as part of our podcast so that you can hear um, real people talk about uh, their relationship with God in real ways. So at the beginning of the podcast, you'll hear a brief story, about four or five minutes, and then after that, we'll get into the sermon for the week and uh, whatever series we're in. So thanks for listening, and we hope that God meets you during this time. Um, I asked Ryan uh, if he'd be willing to step in and share his story, and he was happy to do so. And, um, you know, maybe it might even be a Holy Spirit thing. So uh, we'll invite Ryan to share a, a brief part of his story. Thanks a bunch. Um, I think it actually might be because my wife uh, just told me when I told her that I was going to be sharing this morning um, that she had uh, a thought two days ago that I was going to share my story spur of the moment. And she didn't tell me that. So that's pretty wild. Anyway, um, so my name is Ryan Wilkins. Um, I have been uh, a, a follower of Christ, I would say, probably about my whole life. I, I grew up uh, Catholic. My mom and dad um, w faithfully took us to church. Um, but, you know, I, I was required to go until I was uh, 13 and got confirmed. And then it was up to me. And the second that I didn't have to go, I didn't. Um, uh, but then when I was in high school, I, I definitely was someone who was spiritually curious. I got involved with Young Life. Um, it happened to be that my best friend's dad started Young Life in Columbus. Um, so I, I just, I didn't have a choice. I was, I was going to be a part of it. Uh, but I'm, I'm so thankful for the way that God pursued me through that. Um, then I, I went to Ohio State, uh, and was, uh, involved with Young Life there and, and was a volunteer leader. And uh, got to uh, make a, a difference in people's lives through that. And that was a, a real blessing. Um, my life was really pretty easy, all things considered, um, up until roughly three years ago when uh, I went through a, a very difficult divorce. Um, and that is something that I never imagined would have happened uh, in my life. Uh, it was very painful for, uh, for me, for my kids, for my ex-wife. It was a very difficult time. It's hard for me to even say it here and, and know that my kids are sitting here and that that hurts. Um, I wish that they never had to go through that. I wish I never had to go through that. But in the midst of that, that time, um, I learned a lot about myself. And I learned a lot about the, the love of God and how God works in ways that maybe I didn't realize that he did before. Um, I saw a couple of visions. I know that that might kind of freak you out a little bit to hear that kind of thing, but I want to tell you what those visions were because when Joe uh, asked me to share this morning, I was like, well, what, the, what am I going to talk about? And I thought, well, these things are things that have stuck with me that I think God spoke to me. And I want to tell you those visions real quick, and then I want to tell you a little bit about how God has changed the, um, the course of that story over the past three years. Um, the first vision was uh, I saw uh, my, my, my house from above, and there was trees all around it, and there was a fire that was encroaching on the house. 
And I was running around the house with a, a small bucket of water trying to put the fire out. And God said, stop, let the fire come. The fire is meant to heal. That was a very confusing thing for me to see. The second vision that I had was me standing in front of God and God was infinitely large and he was standing with his arms crossed, not in a way of anger, but in a a way of power and authority. And I was looking up at him and he, uh, after what felt like a really long time of standing and looking at each other, he said, do you still think that you can fix everything? And I didn't say any words, but I knew in my heart that the answer was no. Finally, the third vision that I saw was I was walking along on a path. It was an old, dusty dirt path. And Jesus was walking alongside me. And I said to Jesus, after walking quietly for a long time, This is really, really hard. And Jesus put his arm around me and he said, I know it's hard for me too. And I love you. There were a couple things about those visions that were really confusing and upsetting to me at this time. And, you know, this was almost exactly three years ago. So just keep in mind that this is a, uh, it's a, I'm still wrestling with some of these things. I really thought that God, um, if I did everything right, would make everything right in my life. I thought it was a quid pro quo. If I did the right thing, God would give me what I, what I was supposed to have. And so when all of that just crumbled between my fingers, it made no sense to me that somehow there was a this refining fire that would bring healing that didn't make any sense to me. It didn't make sense to me that when I was looking at God, thinking, God, are you going to fix all the stuff that's broken in my life? He said, do you think you can fix it? That, that was his answer to me. That was curious to me. I also thought I'm walking with Jesus and I have been for a long time. Jesus, aren't you going to fix everything? And Jesus, his answer to me was, this hurts me too, and I'm sorry. I love you. And he was walking in the midst of all of this with me. Three years ago, I could never have imagined where I would be now. Um, I... Uh, I'm incredibly blessed to have a wife now who uh, I am proud to share my life with. Andrea is right here. Raise your hand, Andrea. Um, Andrea has been um, a, a true gift. Her love, her support, her encouragement, the way that she exemplifies Christ in everything that she does in, in my life and the life of our kids is a gift that I can't even begin to describe to you. I thought that I was going to be alone my whole entire life. I really did. And she showed up as the greatest gift that I could imagine. And I'm so proud to be able to partner with her. This morning, um, 
we were, uh, I actually mentioned her right before I was leaving to come here. This is my favorite morning, one of my, our favorite mornings of our marriage. And I'm not exactly sure why. We woke up and she was just very tender and, and, um, and just loving. And, but that's not why. She's always that way. Um, and, but the, our two youngest girls, Penelope and Vera, um, raise your hands, girls. Penelope and Vera right there. Come up here. Come up here, girls. Penelope and Vera um, were upstairs, and I'm so proud of them. And I'm proud of my other kids, too. Dylan and Emmy Rose are back there. You guys raise your hand. Emmy Rose is sinking down. She's the shy one. Um, I, I, I'm so proud of these, these, um, these kids of, of ours. Um, they were taking a bath. And we were sitting downstairs drinking coffee, just talking about decorating for Christmas because it just felt like we wanted to do that. And, and the two of them were in the bathtub and they were giggling and laughing. And, and I said, isn't it amazing to think about how God has brought the two of these, these two kids together? And now they get to be sisters. Vera is Andrea's daughter and Penelope is my daughter. But the two of them, it's like they were meant, meant to be together. And that's a really that's a really interesting thing for me. I, I said, you know, to Andrea, I said, I'm so thankful for the the life that we've been given, and and we talk about second chances all the time, the second chance at love that both of us have been given. We both went through a difficult divorce. I hope you don't mind that I said that up out loud, but we both went through really tough times, but we've been given a second chance at love, and. I think about the, the, uh, re- the sweet relationship that these two have and the way that God brought them together in the midst of pain. That's hard, too. They've gone through really difficult things themselves. But look at how God has used something that was maybe meant to hurt, and he's done something beautiful in the lives of, of these sweet children and the, and the relationship they, they get to have now. You can go sit down. I love you both. God works in ways that I did not expect. God works in ways that defy what I would have thought would be the paradigm in which God works. But God works in such a profound, amazing way. And Romans 8.28 has always been my favorite verse. Um, and I don't, I don't know that I ever really understood just how profound that would be for me in my own life, for our family and our lives. I want to read it to you this morning because in light of these experiences that I'm sharing with you, it has just come to life for me. And this is, I lean on this. And this is from the message translation. Uh, This is starting with verse 26. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting... God's Spirit is right alongside helping us. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in us and for us, making prayer out of the wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition, and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Thank you.
Really appreciate it, Ryan. What a powerful story. Friends, if you are interested in sharing your story, we take time every week to share. Um, uh, we have openings yet this year. I want to invite us into a time of preparing for communion um, as we bring our service to a close. Um, there's a prayer of confession that I would invite you. If you feel led, if these words resonate with you, they'll be on the screen here um, to read them uh, out loud if you feel led or um, silently in your heart if that's more comfortable for you. But uh, one of the one of the ways that we pr- confession is one of those processes where we experience new life, where we are able to move into something new, where we're able to get a second chance. We kind of lay it before God. We're honest with God about what's going on in our lives and what we've messed up, and and then we can remind ourselves of the love that God has for us. So, let us pray. Shepherd of Israel, God of all, we have turned away from you. Neglecting of your creation, ignoring your people, exploiting uh, the creatures and the plants you have made. Taking from earth what we cannot give back. We have not helped our neighbors in need. We have not loved our neighbors and what we've done and what we've left undone. Forgive us and lead us to a more gracious life. In your compassion, turn us to your way. Restore us, O Lord, God of all. Let your face shine upon us, and we shall be saved. Amen. I invite you to take a moment of silence. Friends, I want you to hear this good news. God loves you, period, hard stop. God loves you, and through Jesus Christ, God has made a way, washing us clean, giving us due life. No matter what you've done or what you've left undone, you are forgiven. As we prepare for communion, instead of doing traditional liturgy, I want to read a passage out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul, writing to the church in Corinthians, is laying out instructions for communion. And as we're in a series talking about dinner with God, what the theology related to food, I thought this passage would be particularly relevant. So starting with verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 11, it says this. Paul giving instructions to the church. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you because you have come together. It is not for the better. When you have come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you came, come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I in part, uh, I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. Paul here is talking about the fact that this church that he was writing to gathering together as a community to take the Lord's Supper, but there's all these division in the church. He goes on and explains the division. Verse 20, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Here's what here's what's happening before we condensed communion to something as small as this. It was a love feast. It was a, it was a potluck, but this was a potluck where people brought their own meals and didn't share with each other. And so the people who didn't have any food would be hungry. And those who were wealthy would bring an entire bottle of wine and get drunk. And he said, that's not what this is supposed to be about. And this is central. I want to share this because this is what we find when we look at the theology of food in the Bible. A lot of it has to do with who are you sharing your table with? And, and, and is, there equal, is there equal food for all? It's one of the reasons why churches, since this, you know, early churches condensed communion to, to bread and juice and not do a meal because they wanted to make sure, because Paul later on condensed them very adamantly and like, he was like, 
and people start taking communion really seriously. It's like, well, let's make sure we all get an equal share. That's why you all get the same size wafer and juice is partly because of this passage. But the intent of it is much bigger than that. Who we share, when we share in the Lord's Supper, we are making a commitment that our tables, that our families, that our houses, that our meals, that all we have are shared with those who need them. That's the commitment we're making. That's why we pray and confess, Lord, I have not loved my neighbor. Forgive me. Lead me to a way of life. One way that we can share in this generosity is by being generous with others. So he goes on and he describes the Lord's Supper. This is out of 1 Corinthians, and we'll prepare our hearts for this. I encourage you to get the elements out. Um, you can open up two different layers there. There is gluten-free in the back. Um, he says this, For I have received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Holy Spirit, we ask you fall on, on these elements of bread and juice and make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we might be the body of Christ in this world called and set apart to be a light in the darkness and good news, a reminder of second chances, a chance to show what it means to love. Feed us, Lord, that we might feed the world. In your name, amen. The body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. God, we give you thanks for all that you give us. The ways in which you meet us, the ways in which you feed us, help us to follow in your example. Help us to be generous people, to be willing to lay down our very lives, to love one another, just as you did for us. In your name, 